Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We're going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. In this podcast, I talk a lot about personal paths and trajectory. I talk about the personal and professional expectations placed on us by family or friends, and then how we manifest those expectations because that is what we believe we are supposed to do. But once you go down that path years into it, have you ever taken the time to stop and think, how would things be different if I knew then what I know now? Well, in this episode today, you will be hearing from my client and friend, Julie Linares, who has had this moment of clarity. She will tell us how it impacted her current life today, but most importantly, her confidence. But be sure to listen through to the end of this episode for my two tips on this very topic. Here's Mara and Julie. Julie lives in Dallas, Texas with her husband and their dog, Lucy. She grew up in the Mid-Cities, Fort Worth area and attended Tarrant County Community College and then St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas. After obtaining her undergraduate degree in political science, Julie attended St. Mary's University School of Law, graduating magna cum laude in 2000. Professionally, she has worked at large firms as in-house counsel as well as a solo practitioner. In her spare time, Julie indulges in her history, amateur historian alter ego. She also loves to cook, is starting to explore her artistic side, and figuring out how to start a vegetable garden, as well as trying to give back to those in her community. Besides spending time with her husband, dog, and close friends, Julie takes special joy in doting on her goddaughter and nieces. She loves watching them grow as inquisitive girls into amazing women. Julie, thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. I've been so excited to have you on my podcast. Oh, oh, thank you, Holly. I appreciate it. I have never done a podcast, and I usually am not the type of person you'd expect to uh, just speak <laughs> uh, to people I don't know, but um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you're with me. I'm very proud of you because I know when you haven't done it before, it's kind of a new thing. So I'm sure this is just a first of many more. Okay. We'll see how this goes. Well, I want to get into my questions for you today, but first I'd like to tell the listeners how we met. How did we meet? Do you remember how Um, we met? Yeah, it's funny because it's a little bit out of character for me. I was at home uh, on a weekday. I was in between projects, just had the TV on in the background in the last last several months I've been looking for, you know, a a new direction or I just, you know, when you, you know, when it's time. Yep. to change that it's just not working. Yes, um, we do. So I was, I watched the Today Show and I, I guess it went went off and I wasn't really paying attention, but some show came on afterwards and I so apologize because I don't, it was Texas something. Um, yeah, Texas Today. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry to the show too. Um, but 
you were on it. And so I sat down for a minute uh, and I just I unmuted it and I listened and I was like, you know, that's that sounds a lot like what I am thinking about and going after right now. Um, but I'm not the type of person who calls up people on TV. <laughs> uh, and I realized like, OK, well, you know, sit on it, think about it and do a little research and, which I did. And for, I guess about three weeks later, I decided to give you a call and schedule something just to talk, just to see. Um, yeah. And then we went from there. We did. We did. And you've been a terrific client and I adore you. And you've also become a dear friend. So oh, I'm grateful that you picked up the phone that day because oh, here we are. I, and that was like in March. That was like six months ago now, maybe wow. Time Yeah. Flies. I know. I know. Well, I'm glad that you're here and I love your story. And I know that the listeners will too. And I know a lot of women will take away from what you have to say today. So I want to get into that. But first, will you share with us a little bit about you? Well, um, I'm married, been married for about 18 years now. We are the proud parents of a spoiled dog named Lucy, who might start barking. Um, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, same thing. Uh, I'm an attorney. I've been licensed since 2000. Um, and really, I've, I've practiced in a bunch of different ways. Um, and, you know, at this point, I, I, I want to change the focus of it being sort of the main purpose in my life to having some actual fulfilling purpose in my life. Right. Um, but and it's been a it's been a it's been an interesting journey so far, which I consider myself at the beginning. It took me around twenty five years to get to this spot, so I don't expect it to take six months to get out. Um, but you know that's really you know where I am and who I am right now. Right, I understand that because we're conditioned to do one thing and one thing only, and then twenty five years in, you're like, wait, is this really what I want to do? And how do I? find a new map for this because this has got to change. So Right. And you're you're left thinking this is the only option. Right. You're right. And which I I completely thought, well, this is it. I I can't do anything else. I'm locked in. Yeah. It's so true. We're conditioned to think that way. So and I mean I don't know about you, but that's how I was brought up. Like this is the path you choose and that's it. And you stay. That's it. Yeah. So the end why, why, why change a good job, even if you're miserable, you know, be happy later if, if you are ever happy. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah. Like as you're holding on, you know, by your fingernails and you're gritting your teeth, like I just have 15 more years to go. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, think about. Yeah. Well, will, will you tell us about your early years? And you mentioned that you're a, a lawyer. What led you into law? Um, That's sort of a, a couple of weird scenario stories. Um, well, first of all, uh, I was uh, born in Fort Worth and raised in the mid-cities, Fort Worth area. Um, my uh, mother's side of the family has been in Fort Worth, you know, forever. Uh, I think I have great, great grandparents buried over there. Um, my father's from Mexico, first generation here. And so um, I, I grew up in a very, you know, interesting household. It's trying to get the two cultures to sort of 
blend or, mm-hmm. or if not blend, get along. Uh, it's a little strange sometimes, but I was an only child. Um, and my parents were on the younger side. So I think we grew up a lot together. Uh, I got to know my grandparents really well. And so I'm blessed to have had that opportunity. Um, but really, you know, I, um, I kept to myself a lot. I was, I was, I, I don't know how else to say this, just going to say it. I was a, a very, very overweight person, child. Um, and that I think that affected my personality because I would really just try to blend into the background a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, since then, I've lost like 150 pounds, I think. Um, and that happened a long time ago. But it, I think about it a lot because it does affect my behavior or to this day, I think. Um, and that, yeah. Yeah, it, I consider myself an introvert. I'm not sure if I'm naturally an introvert, but I have conditioned myself to be a little bit more standoffish. Mm-hmm. Um, and why did I become a lawyer? Well, yeah. huh. So I always felt the need to prove myself. Um, I can only describe my background, uh, the best description I can give that maybe everybody would get is a dark, 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 dark blue collar. Um, and education was not something that was really accessible, uh, you know, besides the school down the street that they sent you to that was free. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it was one of those types of situations where there were some, there were the haves and haves not, have nots. And I always, you know, wanted to sort of I wanted to be in the the classes that were the fast readers and things like that. Cause I think I was probably trying to prove myself then that, you know, I may not say much, but I'm just as good as you guys. Um, and so I, I really didn't know how that was going to manifest itself in terms of proving, you know, and I, I put that in air quotes on my end. Um, but then uh, in my teenage years, I was close to my grandparents and my grand, uh, my mother had gone through an illness and that had sort of, uh, you know, that that really did affect uh, some stability of, you know, life and death and all of that. But she's fine now. Um, and then shortly thereafter, my grandfather had something that was pretty serious, too. And I, I was about 15 years old at this point, And I was just like, I can't I, I just don't want to potentially lose anybody again, especially when I had become so dependent on my grandfather during my um, mother's illness. And so 15-year-olds are very impressionable. Uh, I was in Spanish class, and the teacher would show us movies in Spanish uh, with subtitles, which I'm not sure that that worked in terms of immersing us in Spanish, because I just read the subtitles. Um, But it was about the 1984, I believe, earthquake in Mexico City. And uh, long story short, which is too late, a boy loses his mother. She's lost and she has amnesia. And the Pope is going to come and visit the, the town. And he can't find his mother, but he he promises to God that uh, if if the Pope will bless him and um, and his mother, you know, his, he finds his mother, that uh, he'll study really hard and become a lawyer. And so I just at that particular point in my life, I was sort of in the same spot. And I was like, I'm Catholic. And I thought, well, there's a solution. And so, you know, really, that sort of picked the direction for me. If I would have been absent that day, who knows what I would have been. Um, 
but uh, it was a way to sh- sort of show everybody, see, I can get in. I not only can I go to college, I can go to law school. You know, right? It gave you a um, reason. You're like, this yeah. Is so me there, everybody. Um, and so that's that's sort of what my focus was from that point on. Um, and so when I say 25 years, you know, getting here, you know, 15 minus, you know, I'm 47. So whatever that 32 years, it's, it's really hard to, to sort of go off track or off message after you've been trying to achieve something since you were an adolescent. Yes, because it was your identity. It became yeah, your exactly. identity. Yeah. I was like, what am I without it? Become, hmm? You're kind of like, what am I without that? This is what I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was only reinforced uh, through my, you know, the people around me in my career. So um, that's why I became, it was, it was sort of a lot of things. And then the more classes I took, the more respect I had for the rule of law and the history behind the law and how the laws were formed, leading me to believe it was a very respectable profession. Um, Now having practiced for so long, Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, um, I, you know, and, and it's not the law itself necessarily, even though I, I do have opinions about how the sausage is made, but you know, it, it, everybody, there's different personalities in sure. every profession. So, um, sure. that's, yeah, it's, uh, it's an adventure. Well, that's actually a perfect segue into my next question for you. And that is, once you were done with law school and you moved into practice, what was that like? Like, you're talking about different personalities. What were some of the initial behaviors or interactions that you saw? You might have been like, okay, that was awkward. That was weird. What were some things that you experienced out of the gate? Well, it was you know, I'm trying to stand back and look at it from, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily a unique um, perspective, but uh, a lot of people that, you know, I went to law school with, they, they had some sort of exposure to law, law firms previously, either through relatives, parents, friends of parents, um, sure. things like that. I really had no idea. I was stepping into a situation where I was definitely a fish out of water. Uh, in terms of how to act socially, um, how to maintain a conversation, uh, you know, it's not always great to be the quiet one with a stupid look, with a stupid smile on your face because you just have no idea what to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, the cult, the very first law firm I worked for, the culture was very, and I'm going to say this for lack of a better word, old. This firm had been around for, you know, I don't know, 100 years in, in a town in Texas. And I don't even know how I ended up. Well, I do know how I ended up there, but I would not have guessed that I would have ended up there. It was a good firm, had a good reputation, but uh, yeah, who knows? Anyway, it, it was, um, they had the very particular views on women. Mm-hmm. Even though there were women partners, you could tell that they were not necessarily uh, you know, controlling partner. They weren't, you know, they weren't running the show by any means. Right. Um, I think there were some comments made about, well, there was one particular time and another woman I worked with, she was, um, probably about 15 years older than me and she had three kids and she realized she was, you know, just working so much that she was missing out on everything with them. 
And so she came in my office. She's like, okay, um, we, we were in the same section. I'm going to ask um, the head partner of this section if I can sort of go to a, to a part-time hybrid. And she was so nervous. Oh. She was just like standing in my doorway saying, waiting for him to go into his office. And luckily, you know, she came out. He said, she's like, oh, he's fine with that. He's, you know, he said, we'll work something out. No problem. Well, that was the head of the section. The person in charge of our office directly was not very happy. Uh, and he flat out said, well, if I, I'm not a woman and I can't just ask to work part time, can I? And so, oh my God. And I, I, I can see his face right now in my mind's eye as he says it. And, you know, what the weird thing is, is that that was sort of just that statement was very acceptable. And it was along, along with statements such as, you know, if we can't get the client to behave, maybe such and such young associate should wear this or that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's it wasn't it was accepted. And and there was sort of the culture of especially from other women attorneys. Oh, well, you know, be one of the boys. Laugh at it. You know, they're going to you don't it's sort of like don't be don't be so uptight. You know, right? You had to be really cool. Yeah, you had to be cool about. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. I I love I love being told being you know being told to wear a shorter skirt. Um, so you know that that was preliminarily with that firm. I left that firm pretty quickly. Surprise, surprise. Um, but in my next firm, I went into some a world that was completely different. The wealth was just off the charts. Um, this I didn't really know that these types of firms existed. It was an inter- it's international law firm. Uh, didn't know what type of big deal it was until I got there. and was like, oh boy, this is, this is really above my head. Um, and so, you know, one thing is I started college in community college and then transferred to St. Mary's University in undergrad. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, the guy down you know, a few offices down and graduated from Harvard and had gone to private school. And I was at a cocktail party where somebody asked me where I summered. I Oh, I, excuse yeah. me. When seasons become verbs, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I did not, I had no, I just, uh, that coupled with everybody had gone to these elite schools had, you know, what I would consider upper upper middle class backgrounds, I just I didn't know how to act. I, I and then I felt stupid. Okay, so this is going to be a theme. <laughs> I felt yeah. stupid, and I felt like I I I if I asked questions, I would not only feel stupid, everybody would think I'm stupid. I would look stupid, and so I spent a long time feeling my way around in the dark, getting it wrong a lot of times. And, you know, maybe I didn't sound stupid or look stupid, but my work product probably didn't reflect how, how good it could have been had I just, you know, taken the few steps into the, somebody else's office and say, look, I got nothing. I have no idea what's happening here. But that just wasn't the culture. Everybody sort of yeah. pumped their chest and, yep. and you know, I'm, I'm going to work my, I'm going to work every single waking hour, you know, here. I'm going to become a partner. I'm going to eat, drink, and breathe this place. And we are this firm. Um, and and it's, seriously, everybody's, I think everybody did have an identity wrapped up 
in it right. to a certain extent. Those that didn't got out, I think, but there were definitely some lifers there that that was it. Right. It becomes their religion. It becomes everything that they do. And right. It's so, hard for them to separate themselves. Exactly. And it and it's, you know, just constantly feeling stupid and like I could, first of all, feeling out of place socially and from background standpoint and um, really not, not knowing how to, well, I, I wasn't like, you know, uh, wearing, I wasn't like, you know, eating with a spoon, eating spaghetti with a spoon at lunch or anything. I'm not saying it's that. Uh, <laughs> I just, I really, I, I just couldn't relate. And, you know, I, I didn't, I, and, and I probably took it way too seriously in terms of, well, you know, that's not enough money. I mean, for, for a certain amount of time, they, you know, success was tied to the amount of your bonus. Sure. There. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But, um, so that, that has really sincerely, my confidence got shot pretty early on. If it wasn't already, you know, I've, yeah. I've never been the most confident person. Um, well, I can understand that how that happened because if you're if you're looking at these people around you and they've been to Harvard and and they and they use seasons as verbs, you know, it's a little bit it would be intimidating and awkward, and I can understand why you would think you know certain things about yourself and about other people when you're in that predicament. That would definitely have an impact on confidence, definitely. right? And- and I, and what it reinforced a feeling that I didn't belong and that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And so all of that, Hey, see, I can do it. I, I'm like, Oh boy, what did I get myself into? Um, but at the same time, I kept thinking I'm going to get it one day. It's going to click one day. It's going to magically happen. I'm going to, it's going to fall into place and, and I'll be off, you know? And unfortunately I kept waiting for that. And maybe lying to myself that it would, well, not maybe, lying to myself that it would happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and at one point when I realized, you know, it's your moment's not coming, it looks like, you know, you, that's it. I, I, I remember a specific point uh, where I just, I was like, that occurred to me for the first time. And I just really started a, a slide towards losing all hope oh, in terms of my career and my career had become my identity. I mean, what do I tell people I am? <laughs> uh, if I'm, if I'm not this at this level. Right. Uh, right. So it's tied to who you are. Right. You're, you're very right about that, especially in law. Yes. It's, it's, you know, people keep track. Um, the saying, you're only as good as your last billable hour, or you're only le- as good as your last win, or right. whatever it is, there's no cumulative effect, really. I mean, there is. People have great reputations, but uh, I think there's a constant, uh, it's, it's a constant beauty contest, Yeah, I, I feel. It's yeah. pressure. It's pressure. It's pressure right. from your peers. It's pressure on yourself. It's exhausting. That's exhausting. Cause then, and I can see how you would begin to doubt yourself with all of that going on at the same time. Right. It was, you know, and, and I look back and, um, you know, I, there were a lot of great things and great people I met and there were a lot of not great things and not great people I met. Um, so, you know, what I, what I go back and not do it, I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but I've definitely learned from it, it the well, hard way. You did, but I admire what you've done because you've, you have pushed yourself. And in my view, you've come in, you've become an amazing person regardless. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I don't accept you- compliments well either, but thank you. <laughs> I know we're working on that. We're working I'm on working that. on it. Yes. I think you're, you're terrific. So, and I think you're just you're one of the most authentic Same people here. I've ever met. So, oh, um, looking back now, looking back at younger Julie, in early years and then mid-career, you're still really mid-career, but what would you do differently? What would you tell yourself? Um, I, a lot of times um, before we, you and I even met, I, I have thought, I wish I wouldn't have been so laser focused on what I thought I needed to accomplish and when I needed to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. It was like, get done with school as fast as you can, get to a job as fast as you can, start making money as fast as you can. Uh, I would have, I would have slowed down, you know, you know, to, to people there who are younger and thinking they need to fast track their careers, you know, maybe you do, maybe that's your thing. Maybe that's all you've, maybe you, you have it in you, uh, you, you've done your due diligence and you believe that this is the only way I want to go. Um, but I would take a step back and I would take that that's trip to Europe or uh, work in another city for yes. a year or, um, you know, take a year between or between even high school and college or college and law school or, or you know, after law school if you can. Uh, and, and not just necessarily law school. I mean, anything you're, you're setting out to do. And the other thing I would do is really explore what it is you want to do. Uh, I know there's a lot of pressure from other people sure. that you should be this and you should be that, you know, whoever they are, parents or, or um, even in professional setting colleagues or anything like that. Uh, I, like I said, mine, mine unfortunately was a promise to God and I was very ultra Catholic and I thought, well, can't break that. That's, that's sort of a, Oh yeah. You had that. That's a non-starter. Um, but um, I just, uh, I think, you know, God would have understood if I would have wanted to go off to be a writer or something. Absolutely. I don't think it would have, it would have uh, been too much for, for him to handle or her. Right. Um, but I also would, I have always compared myself to other people and it's really hard not to do, sure. especially when you don't have a lot of examples and you're trying to find somebody who, who represents what you're trying to be. Right. Um, but then, you know, I found myself at times going, I need to dress like that, or I need to put on that, you know, sort of puff myself up like that. And I'm never going to be as good as that because I'm pretending, but they're real, which who knows if they are. So, you know, take, you know, I, it's, it's such a cliche, believe in yourself, but I have, I have had the worst case of imposter syndrome since junior high, elementary school. I don't know when, yeah. but it, it's just kept growing with me. And I thought as I got older, I was going to sort of grow into a comfortable place where I, I had a lot of confidence in my knowledge and my background. I, I have felt like a fluke so many times, mm-hmm. even when on paper or objectively, it looks like, uh, in looks like I got it together. 
looks like it's all smooth sailing. People are either complimenting me. It's just, it, it's hard. It's like, well, if you only knew how I'm sort of just faking this. <laughs> yes. But, you know, you're faking it, but you're still producing it. So I'm, I don't trust the product. I just trust that I'm not, I'm not doing it in a way that's real, if you know what, what I mean. Right, right. It's, so, the, it's uh, the imposter. It's the imposter. Yeah, like, it, well, you think you're seeing something, but I'm really, on, on the inside, I don't really feel worthy. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't, uh, what I'm, the advice I give women starting out or anybody, I don't, you know, anyone, um, you know, when you start to feel that way, uh, you know, know that others do. <laughs> and that person you're modeling yourself after, or that seems to be so bu- above and beyond what you think you can ever be. It's probably faking it to a certain extent as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And don't let it be crippling because I think at, you know, certain times it just, you know, I let my, I let the air get sucked out of me um, by thinking I'm never going to be that. And that is what everybody wants. Right. Um, right. That's how so, you measure yourself. Right. And, and I also, I also made the mistake of tying, you know, what I thought would be my aha life moment to my career. Now, again, for some people, that's that's what they want and and what they know they want. But, you know, that that point about seven, eight, nine years ago when I started losing hope where it just clicked, the optimism all went out the window and uh conveniently enough around the time I turned 40, um, I, I just thought I've missed it. I've been passed up or I missed my moment. It's not going to happen for me. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking all in terms of, I didn't make partner or I'm not a standout or, or I don't think I'm a standout. Maybe I was, I don't know. Yeah. Or I, I did something wrong or I've wasted so many years of my life on this. Um, but I'm, I'm now realizing that, you know, I don't, I haven't missed my moment. No, um, I love that. Thank you for saying that. I was waiting. I was like, where is it? There it is. Yeah. I have not missed my moment. I have not, I haven't missed my moment. I'm making, you know, I'm taking, taking the experience that I have negative and positive and, you know, looking back at who I was and, and, you know, some hard things looking back at, you know, what did I, how did I treat certain people, which I always thought I treated them well, but you never know. Um, or how was I treated or how did I react or what would I do now? If, if I had a 47 year old brain and a 22 year old's body who go yep. into law school for the first day, what would happen? Um, but I, I'm thinking, you know, it's, I've, I, I look back and I try to, I see all those spots where I could have found some joy that mm-hmm. I didn't, Mm-hmm. Uh, take mm-hmm. probably because you didn't say, feel like you deserved it. Like when I, I was didn't feel like I deserved, I don't deserve joy. I don't deserve right. it. I, I have to work hard. I'm still not where I want to be. I can't enjoy life a little bit. And and I, I yeah, I didn't feel like I deserved it. I didn't feel like I'm mm-hmm. I was in a position to take it. Um, I know other people around me were, and I didn't I didn't feel secure leaving my desk even, you know, it affected everything from my honeymoon to, you know, not having a vacation for like a decade. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But now I I don't have to, you know, find joy in that type of achievement uh, of making the most, having the most billable hours or, 
right getting a an article written or or something like that our goals um, change our yes our goals change and i i want to address something that you said because it's been very imposter syndrome heavy and all the focus we put on ourselves for not feeling worthy or not being good enough or i didn't really deserve that if you feel that way as an imposter it's not your fault those feelings come from social interactions with individuals that make an impact on you over a period of time. And I think that when you're in a situation like law school or med school or a high stress corporate role, you're going to run into those situations. And and I think I really want our listeners to know that if you have experienced it, if you feel it, it's not your fault. Do not blame yourself. Please don't blame yourself. Please do what you're saying, Julie, and take the time for yourself and enjoy things and don't beat yourself up, you know, and and know that your moment moment and many more are coming. Moments and many more are coming. Um, so I just, you know, it, it hurts me to hear this because you have so many more wonderful, wonderful things to do, you know, and I want other women to know the same thing. Well, thank you, Holly. And, and I, I, I completely agree with, the the fault you know it's so easy yeah. to blame ourselves like why can't i just get with it right um right like right she's doing yeah. it or he's doing it why why not me yeah why right. can't i just do it right. and it's a, it's a very you know you feel so much less than you know it's it and you know i don't belong here i'm not good enough and that's a horrible way to live your life um and so if, if i had any you know, I wish I could take all of the, all of that away from somebody. I can spot it, you know, when it, you know, it takes one to know one. Mm-hmm. I just wish I could sort of sponge some of that up when I see certain people who feel mm-hmm. like they're not making it, they're drowning or be, keeping their head above water because they don't, they don't think they know what they're doing, and, but they're trapped in what they are doing. And there's just no way out. And this is it. This is how life is. Because believe me, I, I was, I was there. Um, very, very, very much there. And it's, it's taken a while for me to see that there are other things. Um, there are some practical things also that I can't ignore that, you know, I needed, I need to make a living. Um, I can't go off and, and, uh, you know, join a circus circus or, or go paint flowers (laughs) in Italy or whatever it is people do when they have time. Um, but, there has to, I, I am now, you know, hopeful again that there is a way to achieve that type of, you know, um, stability, success, whatever you want to call it, and, and still, you know, feel good about yourself, feel happy, and not just right. think that happiness is a fortunate byproduct if you happen to figure out the right formula. True. Amen. Um, but it, it, and, you know, the last few months, I, I've, Things that before I would have gone, well, that's just stupid. I've been trying and it's, it's yeah. really, it's the, the effect has been that I see other things in the world besides the inside of a conference room. Right. You know, there's more to so. it. Well, this leads me to my last question for you. And it, it's, it'll be a natural answer for you is what advice do you have for other women who are going through the same thing? What would you tell them? Well, the going through the same thing, 
uh, I'm going to draw on my experience. Uh, If you are feeling like there's just, this is it, there's nothing else for you and you just have to keep doing this until it's time to die. (laughs) I mean, that's sort of how I felt. Um, Just... uh, you know, it's hard to do, but I, I just had to demand, I just had to find it within myself, a little bit of wherewithal, a little bit. I didn't have much to ask somebody to just tell somebody how I was feeling and ask them, what do I do now? Right. Support. Yeah. Right. Get some support. And then, you know, at, what I did is I, Somebody gave me a a suggestion on solution. I was like, well, that's ridiculous. Um, there's no way I can do that. You know, the world will fall down around me. A, B, C, and D will happen. The earth will explode. And, <laughs> and um, you don't understand. I, so many people are depending on me and I will let so many people down. So when I, st- I started thinking that way, but it, I just had, I was in a place where I was like, I got to do something. And when I did something, I, I started to realize I, it's okay for me to ask for what I need. Absolutely. Um, for so long, I was just like, hey, take take what you need from me. I Whatever I need to do, um, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll work long hours or I'll, you know, give up my vacation. And I'm, that's just a professional side. Personal side, same sort of stuff. But you know what? I, I need you to back off. Or I need to take some time for myself. Or, and this was what was really, really, really a big deal for me, a person who just loves and craves stability. Yeah. I need to think about changing my direction as far as what I go do every day for a paycheck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was really scary. Yes. It, yes. Uh, yeah. But... I, and if this would have been maybe a year ago, it's like, you're full of it. I'm never going to do that. But I, I did. And slowly but surely, you know, I, I said to my husband, I, this is something that I, I will just never, I, I'm never going to snap out of this unless I try. And I, he's been extremely supportive. Uh, I think, I, like I told you once before, Holly, he said, hey, do what you need to do as long as you don't join a cult. Right. Um, you did say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the branch uh, Davidians are out. Can't yeah, bad stay idea. away from that. But, you know, otherwise I think we're going to be okay. And and we have had to change a lot of things. But I, I really do think that we're both happier. Um, I'm not a pain to live with because I'm so miserable all the time. Right. So, you know, it, it's not like you can make a monumental change from one day to the next. Ask somebody just to hear you out. Maybe they have a suggestion don't blow off the suggestion like I did, like you're just crazy. Um, I eventually took their suggestion, but it took a long time. And while it was taking a long time, I just got that much more worse, you know. Mm, that's so, telling though, because when yeah. you sit on that and you wait and you wait, you're not changing. No, you're just- it's, You're it's, still it's, sitting where you were in the first place. Right. And so I, I my advice to to anybody who's feeling like, this is it. I guess that's all for life. And you know, you're 45 or whatever it is, or 35 or whatever age you are. Um, know that you can, you can ask for things that you need for yourself in order to be happy, or at least try to chip your way out of whatever, you know, pit that you're in at this point. Right. It sounds like don't be afraid of change. 
seek out your support system and have the courage to do it. You had the courage to do it. I think there gets to a point where you get so uncomfortable with something that you have to be courageous and change your direction. Yeah. There's a breaking point for everybody and it's for everybody. And for me, I think it, I was so afraid to change, but one day I was so, so afraid to walk away from this or that, but then one day I was afraid not to. Ooh, that's good, Julie. Yeah, you were afraid not to because you you knew where you would you where you would continue to go. Right, didn't make a change. Mm-hmm. And I I I didn't work this hard and to be you know and have end up just in a miserable situation. I I I did have enough sense of self worth to think you know you worked hard to to do what you thought you needed to do to improve your situation, your life, and that of those around you it's time for you to think about what you really want to do now and how, how happiness or, or contentment or whatever word you want to use, what that really is for you besides what you've been told that it should be. I think that's a great question to ask yourself when you find you, when you find you're at this crossroad, what's your definition of happiness today? What's going to bring you fulfillment? Cause I guarantee it's different than it was when you were 22. There are oh, going to yeah. be different things. Yeah. I want to lock my 22 year old self in a closet. <laughs> uh, Actually, my 21-year-old self, maybe. I don't know. I haven't decided how far back, yeah, which one needs to be locked up. Um, But no, I, um, you know, I I am just, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle beginning, I think, of all of this. And I know that, I know already I've had some good days and bad days, but, you know, the trend is, is going up. You know, I might have a dip tomorrow, but you know, the, um, the, it's, it's climbing cumulatively. That's a really good point. And that's something really good for the listeners to hear also, because like you had said earlier, you you had 25 years of one thing and you know, it's going to take longer than six months to change that. Right. It's the same. It's, that's part of it. You're going to, you're going to feel like you're moving ahead into what you want to do. You might have a day that's not so great, but you're still going to move ahead. Yeah, that's exactly it. Tomorrow I could be here going, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> right, right. Um, but I know that, you know, I'm going to have plenty of, that's going to be fleeting. Yes, it is. Uh, for the most, yeah. And, uh, you know, I and I'm having to do something which I'm not very good at doing always. It's being patient, especially with myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I am really trying to yes. to give myself some some time and and let myself finally, for probably the first time in my life, explore what it is I really like. Because if you would have asked me, you know, a few months ago even, so what do you like to do in your spare time? I was like, oh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'd make something up probably. You make an amazing hot sauce. That's oh, what thank you, you do. Yeah. I'm just going to do a little plug for that. Okay. <laughs> I've been encouraging Julie to make this hot sauce that is so freaking amazing. It's amazing. Well, thank you. I am, I'm working on a, on a recipe that won't burn people's the the average person, because believe me, my taste buds are, you know, shot. There's might as well be asbestos living on my tongue, but, um, uh, uh, but my husband and I like things really spicy and I need to tone it down for general consumption. I think. But I love I'm it. Trying. 
Oh, thank you. I love it. I and I shared it with my friends right. and they did it too. So oh, great. I think we got that going on. Yay. Well, Julie, I want to thank you for being on today. And thank you for being open and vulnerable and sharing your thoughts, feelings, and um, who you really are. So um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, just to get to know you better, or maybe have you on their podcast, how can they connect with you? Um, well, I do actually have a Twitter account, which again, is new for me. Um, I'm at Julie has an idea. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, all the different versions of Julie something were gone. And, and then I was like, well, I have an idea. And that's what it, that's how that came about. That's great. Um, yeah. So uh, there and um, I, I do have a personal email address. I'm not sure if I should do that at this point, but if you contact me on Twitter, I will start watching my account and uh, I will find a way to um, get in touch with you. If, if it's some, if you want to talk to me, I'm willing to talk. Thank you. I, I, I know people will, because I think other girls and women will hear your story and they will relate to it and it will help enlighten them. So thank you for joining me today, Julie. Much appreciated. Oh. Well, Holly, thank you so much for, for letting me do this or, or asking me to do this. And thank you for everything else too, you know, for the last six months that we've, uh, we've been able to get to know each other and talk and, and share all of this. And I, you know, you, I consider you a friend as well. And, and uh, you've made a big difference in terms of helping me shift my thinking um, and thinking that, you know, this, there's something to, uh, making a, a change like this. Good, 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 good. I'm so glad that that makes everything we do worth it. When it comes to wishing you knew then what you know now, here are my tips. The first one is have no regrets. You got to your point in life today because of your accomplishments thus far. Whether you would go back and do something different now is good to know, but we can't change it. What we can change is looking ahead in confidence. Secondly, pay it forward. Be that support for other people who need guidance, honesty, and unconditional love. We can help them realize their potential and purpose because of our experiences. Those are my parting words for you today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until our next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners, for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollycaplan.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.